0: I'm Sam Mitchell, these are my stories. Hi folks having a good day today and for me welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now before we begin, mess up I am not a psychiatrist. If you're starting to not be diagnosed with autism please see a physician. I'm just based on my experiences. I'll right to the intro naturally I found on ytmp3.com. I also have a here to be with all of you. The mission of Autism Rocks and Rolls is to take the stigma off of autism and other conditions that I may think are disabilities. People on the spectrum are not broken and not need to be fixed. Those have conditions or bodies not to be pitied. There's nothing to be sorry about. I also have some paid for the following. We need to look at Safeguard for a minute. Safeguard company is based in Bloomington, Indiana. They can accommodate short-term and security needs on Kirkwood Avenue. Prospective business owners ought to check into a for regulations. In Bluefield, Indiana, there is a gas station called the White River Coop Junction. People have been going in and out of this gas station for years to get their gas. When you go into the store, you are welcomed by the friendliest staff you will ever know. This gas station offers a unique experience for customers of all ages providing the best convenience food and American source Indiana refined fuel. If you are ever in the area, make sure to stop by. And there are some people I'd like to thank. The first thank you goes to Alex and Jamie Schneider, who are doing amazing advocacy work through running. As Autism Speaks says, these twin brothers may be non-speaking, but boy, can they run. Be sure to check out their information. Another piece of advocacy work we need to look at is what our board member Abe Shapiro and C-114 Meet Abe Shapiro is doing with WFHB Radio. Their goal is to provide an angle on the disability community on one of the largest minorities in the United States. However, new developments in this community are hardly ever reported on this radio and television news, particularly in a small community such as Bloomington. They seek to be that voice. Make sure to check out their information as well. There is a connection that needs to be made and that is Cassie Smith from Move & Me Coaching. Her curiosity led her to pursue careers in psychology and education while attending formal school. Over the course of her career, she has positioned over 20 different areas including management, education, training, event organizing, revenue, food and beverage, tourism, human services, and the creative sectors. But because traditional workplaces were resistant to change, she often found herself frustrated in them. After speaking with many of others who have experienced the same problem not being able to find the right kind of support, she became the realization and asking herself, why not become the support I as well as others have been searching for? She decided to begin her journey towards Transition Specialist Coaching Certification as a result of this. She is now trying to actively listen to others, support them in making changes, and help them achieve their goals. Maybe you'll hear from her in the future. i will also say that it's officially Gala season because we received two donations for our silent auction. The donations were $100 in gift cards to IHOP and four box seats for an Indians game at Victory Field. Thank you IHOP and Victory Field for giving us these items. Last month we had our monthly board meeting. Through this meeting we welcomed our two interns Amara Wilson and Harris Harris who had to sadly resigned, but we still appreciate what they did for ARAR. AR. Also I attended two speed networking events. First I attended speed networking for professionals, creative minds, and entrepreneurs produced by Lucy McMonagal. Then I went to the Indie Chamber PowerNet which was produced by Indianapolis Chamber Zone Lisa Julierat. I met some pretty cool people at each event. Finally my mother c I Meet My Mother appeared on a podcast. My mother appeared on the Evolution of Parenting podcast with Yarn Poster. She's not the only one though, because I made some appearances too. I was on a Happy Moment podcast with Dan Markowski, the Visibility Matters podcast with my friend Ryan Steiner C two three eight, running the call by Ryan Steiner, and the Resilience Hour podcast with Rachel Zito. One another great set of podcasts, everyone. Now folks, we're right back here in an ad from the Woolery Mill, which is brand new. So let's hear from them. In Bloomington, Indiana, located on Sunstone Drive, you should stop by the Woolery Mill because it's in the title. It's one world. Henry Woolery first constructed Woolery Mill, featuring enormous windows, exposed beams, and highest ceilings. And N U M O. It has been since renovated to an industrial cheek space. One World at Woolery Mill is a complete event facility that provides a long list of conveniences and facilities along with a great place to get together with loved ones. This classic place is concentrating on improving rather than expanding. We are proud to be locally owned and an independent business that aims to imbue its offerings with the unique spirit of Bloomington. They also want to contribute positively to the community. We help our community members as well as the incredible NGOs in the region whenever we can. We will be holding our gala there in April as a result of this assistance. Make sure to attend. Like the Fowler Pumpkin Patch, it provides wedding service services. At 76,000 square feet and located on the historic register, Woolery Mill offers exclusive use of the building and grounds numerous outdoor areas for ceremonies to be held on site. Make your Woolery Mill reservation app for your wedding coming up. Alright folks, i back and yes, it won't be I like to move it, move it, but it'll be I like to mill it, mill it. Today's guest is a friend of mine that I met at Clubhouse. His name is Eric Allen, aka EA. EA is a certified alcoholic and drug abuse counselor. His mission in life is to lead others through the diagnosis and treatment of addiction and mental health illnesses. He witnessed hand that pain when he saw his closest family members battle with drug and alcohol issues that affected their mental health. His passion for helping families comes from his mother. He has recently published his first publication in the form of a journal called Affirmations for Recovery. The goal of this journal is to help those experiencing trauma through the practice of self-talk. Please help me welcome my friend and the humble EA aka Eric Allen to my podcast. Mr. Allen
1: what's up brother? Man I'm honored and blessed all in the same breath. Just to be here on your podcast, sharing with your viewers, your listeners. It's an honor and a privilege.
0: It's a privilege for me, too. So my first question to you is, what does being a certified drug and alcohol abuse counselor mean to you? Oh,
1: you're starting to party off. Strong question. So for me, drug and alcohol counseling is mandatory. It's part of my therapy. I'm also in recovery. Just being able to give back to the whole recovery space its my life passion. And what does it mean to me? It means everything. It's a matter of life and death.
0: It's all you know if you think about it.
1: What were your initial thoughts when you decided you were going to be a counselor? It was tricky because when I was growing up, my idea of a counselor was like a guy that had a bunch of keys and he just pumping you full of drugs and just giving you all these diagnoses. So I had a bad stigma. It was like a taboo to be a counselor. So my first thought was like, damn, why are you doing this? But my second thought was because I want to change that narrative on how people view counseling.
0: And it is definitely hard. I mean, I don't have anything against therapy, but also at the same time, therapy doesn't help people. But for some, it does. And I think it all depends on the therapist as well.
1: It does. You got to connect with your therapist and you, you got to, honestly, if you don't believe it, then that's half the battle right there.
0: Yeah, you're already battling with another battle. Why battle another one? Right. How do you think a person who does counseling reigns operate?
1: So when you're going to a counselor mode, what do you think? First and foremost, meeting people where they are. You know, counseling is individualized. It's not a cookie cutter. It's no formula. There's no right or wrong answer to it. You do have to connect with the person. I don't have a heaven or hell to put nobody in. I'm non-judgmental.
0: Oh, I love that too, man. That's what the world needs is non-judgmental. Who cares if someone wears a cloak jacket in the summertime? We shouldn't care because that's on that individual. It's not my business. What is the most rewarding and the most difficult thing about being a certified drug and alcohol abuse counselor?
1: For me, the most rewarding part is watching people persevere. From their addictions. And when I think about recovery, I think about the mind. I think about how people process information. So it's not necessarily a substance or mental health challenge or death or anything. It's just how you think. That's recovery. That's where it starts. The most disturbing thing that I've seen since I've been counseling is just some people are not ready. It's hard watching people spiral out of control and just with no ending in sight. That's the most discouraging part for me. How you
0: see people where you think they're lost causes? Or where they relapse?
1: And relapse, for me, is a part of recovery. That's not a big deal. For you to relapse, that just means that you need a little extra support. What is not part of recovery is falling off and not getting back up.
0: You don't climb back off the cliff. You got to get back up and start climbing, get back up and start climbing. Now, what advice would you give to someone who wants to be a
1: counselor? You got to have passion to do this work, not a get-rich-quick scheme. If you have a passion for watching people persevere, I would suggest you be a counselor. In my humble opinion, the best counselors are the ones that come from lived experience.
0: Sure, I can concur with that because in my brain, they know I could never help someone through drug abuse because
1: i never done drugs. People get in this field sometimes for the wrong reasons. I know people that are not addicts or even suffering from recovery, but they're still counselors because they might still have a passion to help people. And I feel like, too, if you're going to be a counselor, you should never have a day where you're like, here we go again. If you're starting your mornings or your sessions off with like, oh my goodness, and that's the feeling, counseling is not for you. I work in office every single day. I get up at 4 a.m. West Coast time just to be a servant for people in recovery. I do my first group at 6 a.m. in the morning every morning i never wake up like oh my god i gotta do group no i'm like looking forward to it where's the group but can i ask you this do you have days where you're not like uh but do you have like oh boy here we go i mean i'm human and it just depends on what's going on at home i've had moments where i'm like oh my goodness i need to call in today
0: (laughs) fair enough i think we've all had those days now i got here more about where i met you and that is these clone house rooms so can you tell my listeners what the purpose of these Clubhouse rooms is?
1: I use Clubhouse as a tool to reach out to other people that are in need. I love Clubhouse because it allows me to practice my craft. I've become a better speaker by being on Clubhouse. It's almost like a Toastmasters.
0: Gotcha. I can see that. How that makes sense. I didn't think of that till now.
1: It's all audio. It gives you opportunity. When I first start going to Clubhouse, I was doing challenges with people, like no ums challenge. It still carries to this day. Even when I find myself interviewing, I like to listen back to my interview to see how many ums I drop. And right now, I'm zero.
0: That's it's very impressive. I definitely do the same with my mock speeches. I try to do that through Facebook recordings. That's smart. That's a good tool. Thank you. What were your thoughts of me when I entered one of your clubhouse rooms? And I'm just curious. I'm very happy you're investing. But why were you so invested? Because autism and drug abuse, while they're on similar pathways, they take different routes.
1: Okay, so for me, when you first came into the room, even though I couldn't see you physically, I'm an energy person. I can feel and read energy through a phone, through a conversation, and your energy was priceless. You're very passionate about the work that you do. I love like-minded people, regardless of their age. I think you are wise beyond your years.
0: I appreciate it, and I'll tell you, I'm happy to go to the broadcasting studio for college, I'm happy to be behind a microphone. Now I wanna know more about your session. So what methods do you use to help your clients through drug and alcohol addiction?
1: I specialize in three modalities, right? journaling. Number one, men in journaling. That is such a foreign thing to such people. They do not want to hear me talk about journaling, but journaling is therapeutic and it allows you the opportunity to really look at how you process information. Secondly, music therapy. OMG, man. A lot of my clients love music. I'm a musician myself and I love all country. As long as music has a meaning, I'm working with. And last but not least, talk therapy. Kind of reminds me of what Clubhouse is and how people are. So talk therapy is a new form of therapy that is not technically in the book but it's something that counselors like me we use get everything off your chest that in itself is a form of therapy because people these days want to be heard and a lot of us feel like that we're not being heard when you allow a person to be heard man that is therapy all in itself actually leads me to my next question for you what has your clients taught you
0: anything about drug and alcohol abuse if so
1: What have they taught you? Oh, that's a good question. I guess the biggest thing that I've learned and I'm continuously learning because it's a journey, not a destination. So I'm always looking to learn. I study people for a living. One of the biggest things that I see in people, you cannot stop a passionate person. I've counseled people that are homeless in their addiction, but they're still not using. They're still even living on the streets. I live in Oregon, so it's really, really cold. It's snowing. But an addict that wants recovery cannot be stopped.
0: I want to know this from you since you know it. Why can they not be stopped?
1: Because a person that really, really willing to fight for what they believe in are unstoppable.
0: If someone who wants to do something well, they're not going to stop. I mean, I've got a job and I'm going to go do that job to the best of my ability. I'm unstoppable for that because I'm determined to get something on a resume.
1: And then what about your podcasting? Because I met you a year ago and you was doing this. You're still doing it. Let's talk about
0: clients who are recovering, but they're doing the right track. So how do you know a client is making progress? How do you know they're on the right track and they're not going to be in a, a metaphorical car accident?
1: I can definitely tell when a person is really on their recovery path when they're doing the work. You cannot... By recovery. You have to do the work. And doing the work requires consistency, discipline, and an attitude of willingness. I counsel all day. I have a caseload of over 60 people, and I can just tell by a conversation who's wanting and who don't.
0: How do you know? What are the sides of the person who does versus the next person that's like,
1: I'm just here because I was forced. The difference is the person that wants it, they're gonna always show up on time. They're gonna always come with pencil and paper ready to take notes, and they're always gonna ask questions and they always follow up. That's so important. First is the people that just here for just to, because I have to be, they're usually typically late. They don't come prepared, ready to take no notes. They, they're not looking to do no homework or anything.
0: It's like going back to school. You know who the good students are and the bad students are.
1: Just by looking at it, just by watching how their work performance is. So what strategies do you use to build trust with
0: clients who may be reluctant? Because let's be honest, some people, not everyone, I'm not one of them, but they think counseling is embarrassing and they may be reluctant because I don't want to be here. This is embarrassing. I have this really bad issue. I don't want to have it, but here we are today.
1: It all starts with building the trust. you have to build the trust before you attempt to give someone' counseling. day one during the assessment process, I'm always looking to build that relationship and on solitude. I'm not for everybody. I learned that too. My energy, how I perform, how I do my thing, it's not for everybody. Ideally, I like to connect with the person before I even begin counsel. So my first session with people usually is just me getting to know them, talking to them for an hour just about life. Pretty much like a podcast about how we're doing it now. Just ask a bunch of questions just so I can get to know them.
0: So I want to talk more about your pain that you experienced with your family. So Do you think seeing the pain, your feeling experience, made you more of an understanding person? If so,
1: how? Watching the pain, growing up in the pain, definitely made me a more understanding person. My mother suffered from drug addiction. She used drugs for my whole kid life. And watching that and watching just how it just did her, just how it changed our family dynamics, it just gave me that understanding that I needed because drug abuse, number one killer of families, number one killer of relationships. People are on substances heavy. Learning how to just understand people better in recovery, game changer, sir.
0: You said the family dynamic changed. What do you mean about that? I'm kind of curious.
1: We never had money. We never had extra money. We never went on trips. I had to learn how to accept my mother for who she was. We didn't really spend a lot of time together, like doing family bonding things because mom was Suffering from her addiction. And my dad was an enabler. Like, he just loved my mom for who she was. He didn't care about all that. I learned a lot of compassion from my father. Learning how to love is so super big. He's never given up on my mother. They're still married to this day. You say
0: showing compassion was something you didn't take from your mother Definitely. because of the abusive household?
1: I learned it from my father. Because he was the one that was experiencing it with my mother. Some of the things that he was doing, I took notes. And I was just like, man, when I have my all family, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And some of the things that he did, I don't want to do it. I'm like, no, I'm not putting up with X, Y, and Z. So I've learned a lot by watching my parents persevere there's no such thing as a permanent habit we do the work so we can build better habits
0: now folks we write be right back through an ad from the doug flutie junior autism foundation so let's get to it at the doug flutie junior autism foundation in massachusetts people are receiving hope the organization was established in 1998 by doug flutie former quarterback for boston college and the nfl and his wife wore in the memory of their son dougie who was diagnosed with autism at the age of three the goal of the flutie foundation is to improve the quality of life for those with autism and their families the biggest action they like to do is give grants us their annual Stars of the Spectrum golf event, goal is to offer chances for physical and social activity outside of work or school, a path for education or employment during the day, and the resources need to always feel safe, supported, and informed the Doug Flutie Jr. Autism Foundation says. Make sure to visit them on their website, flutiefoundation.org, or follow them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or even YouTube to see all the stars they have to offer. Finally, this is my testimony. This will be my testimony for the Doug Flutie Junior Autism Foundation. All right, folks,
1: right? You get to meet Doug Flutie there. You never know. Man, I'm aging myself, but I grew up watching Doug Floody play. Is this organization all about raising awareness for autism? Yep. I'm gonna definitely look more into it. Now i want to get more into your journal with affirmations for recoveries. You gotta go back in that
0: journal for a minute and name your favorite entry.
1: Day one favorite entry. I talk about the word recover. Cover is essential. I'm on day one today. Today, February first, and we talk. talk Talk about if you follow the mission, the journal is based on the day. Day two is acceptance. So it's to retrain you how to think properly, how to use better words for yourself. There's no more trying. When you work with me in recovery, we don't try, we do. You're a doer or you're not. Where can people buy your book? Is that viable still on Amazon and all that? Exactly. Exclusively on Amazon. I actually have a link to my website, ericallenrecovery.shop. Just came back. I actually just launched that site yesterday, ericallenrecovery.shop, merchandise, recovery tools, all kind of things, pictures of me in the recovery space doing multiple events. So yeah, make sure you support that. Also, I have a journal podcast where I come out every single morning and I talk to the people that's purchased the journal and I walk in hand with you about the word of the day. Affirmationsforrecovery.com. You can find that. It's a landing page and it has it on all various media outlets. So I now want to know more advice on what advice would you give to
0: others who were basically in your shoes as a child who came home to a house full of drugs and poverty?
1: My strongest advice is, man, keep working your plan, okay? Don't succumb to your surroundings. Always be willing to work and get bigger and better. That's where perseverance lives in doing the work.
0: That's what really bothers me is it falls on the kid, and it's not their fault. All they know is drug abuse. They see people get shot. There's this movie, what's the movie called? Dangerous Minds. That's a really good movie, and that shows, like, what these children go through. I want to talk tomorrow the verbal abuse. So how did the verbal abuse in your home affect you as a child?
1: It taught me um, how to deal with people on a different level. A lot of people are wound up angry just about life. So when you hear people screaming and you know yelling and not using proper terms and right words, that to me is a sign that that person is hurting if they cry for help.
0: So now I'm talking about the selling drugs. I know a lot of people probably asked you this before, but I got to know, man. Why'd you do it? Well, I grew up
1: broken, and I just vowed to never live like that. I took the opportunity. I didn't want to be broke. I didn't want to have nothing with myself. I didn't want to grow up with nothing. So I thought that me learning how to do that would help my mom. Also, would help me, too, because I would feel like I'd be more of a financial position that I can help my mom better, my family better. So I did it for survival term. I didn't do it just because it was cool. I did it because I was looking to survive.
0: But when did you start seeing it? Okay, I'm selling drugs to survive, but oh boy, this is illegal. I better stop.
1: Never, until the police came, okay, when I was sitting in the jail cell, reflecting on life, that's when I started understanding, like, really, I was doing the wrong things, and that's when I began to change my life.
0: And I know in prison, you talked about strengthening relationship, your God. So, what did you exactly do in prison? to strengthen your relationship with God?
1: Well, I grew up in a religious household, so I wasn't that far from God. I just seek God more. I prayed more. I made it a a daily practice. I made it a practice to just be around people that were seeking God.
0: Who else did it with you? Was there like a priest who would, or a prisoner preacher? I've seen that before on Justified where I think it was Boyd would be a
1: preacher, and he was in prison. Absolutely. Absolutely. The prisons had chaplains. We had fellowship. We had time where we would come, you know, get together and just preach and talk about the word. There are a lot of people. There's handfuls. People find religion in jail. God lives most in jail because people are one. They want to change their lives. They want to get better. And that's where typically people that are criminal minded, they lean on God more when they go to jail. Ch-
0: you know, I've never been a religious man, but I'll give the man upstairs props because... At- he has created a lot of safe sanctuaries for people who have never felt safe in their lives before
1: i'm not religious anymore i'm very spiritual i still pray i still meditate i don't follow a particular doctrine anymore i used to be very heavy in the christianity i won't discourage anybody that is i believe in directly having a relationship with god like the source himself
0: so now i want to talk to you about about what i heard from when you were on lp's podcast Being the abuser yourself, I want to know, have you ever
1: forgiven yourself for being abusive to her? I've been on a million podcasts, and that is the first time I've been asked that question. I'm going to be very honest and transparent. I don't think I have really forgiven myself. I'm a positive person. I'm a glass half full type of person. I definitely know that I've done wrong. I believe I will forgive myself until I'm fully walking the right path.
0: But there is a story I want to hear about because I need People understand that. There's others probably who have been through this. And that is the date night story, as I call it, where basically you laid a hand on her.
1: I'm different. I have my own understanding with things, right? I definitely don't think it's never okay to put your hands on anybody, especially women. As a man, it's never okay to put your hands on other people either. I will say this. My wife, we've been together since little kid school. I always say little kid school. I've been on her since seventh grade, and I watched her grow up. I watched her persevere. I believe that when I did put my hands on her, I wasn't putting my hands on her to hurt her. I was putting my hands on her to discipline her. It's a big difference. It's just like having a son or a daughter. Sometimes you have to discipline your son, and your daughter. I never intended on leaving my wife. It's Deb do us part, right? I'm gonna love her when I'm dead and gone. I'm still gonna love her. I didn't beat her up. I didn't take my fist and punch her out. Getting off at the mouth in front of a whole bunch of people and calmly asked her politely to tone it down, and she didn't. So I took it upon myself to discipline her for that. But once we got back to reality, I definitely sought for forgiveness because I didn't want to do that. That was not my intention. At the same time, she's my family.
0: I believe in discipline too. And C218, Dare to Discipline, Listeners, more information. Sometimes I question the way it's disciplined. Something I don't believe in, it's spanking. Right. I hate it. I, I can't Thank do it. I'm not one of those guys. I believe in grounding because it's realistic because think about it. You got in trouble. Is a cop going to you with a fly swatter.
1: Hell no, he's going to punish you. He's going to take privileges from you. He's going to lock you up. I'm not heavy to putting my hands on my son. At the same time, I believe in stern discipline because if you don't teach them, then the world will. It's better to see little bruise on the back of their head versus them in cups. Or shot As people of color, we are in fear that we can be not just thrown in jail, but be killed. Some of the words that we use when we think about law enforcement and people of color. I
0: want to know, I could remember what I've heard. Your wife is a blessing, as you call her, tea time. But besides sticking with her through the tough times, why else is she a blessing?
1: You might have to put me on another show because this woman is definitely my rib. She was a blessing, man. And we have ups and downs and around all the way. As far as the woman in earth, I believe men, our purpose on earth is the interactions between men and women, the life that we build, the legacy. And I have to admit, God has truly blessed me with one of the most amazing people on this earth. She's a great woman. She's a great mother. She's a great wife. She's a nurturer. She's a defender. I can just go on and on and on about this beautiful woman.
0: Even though you may have screwed up before, you didn't screw up with picking her.
1: Hey, now we talking.
0: (laughs) Now you said and before you had still learning love. What have you done to learn love?
1: Practice patience. Practice, practice, man. Practice makes permanent. Nothing's ever perfect. You practice new stuff, practice new behaviors. That's what becomes permanent. So I practice love every day. I practice telling people that I love them. I practice telling my wife that I love her. I practice telling my children that I love them.
0: And it seems like to me too, another drain of autism and the drug abuse is we probably both have been at a point where like, man, we've hit rock bottom. What was Hmm. the point where you were like, oh my goodness, I hit rock bottom?
1: I think I've hit rock bottom a few times. Being locked up? and convicted and sentenced to 34 months in prison that was the time that i know i hit rock bottom and then after that just to just to take it two steps further my whole young adult life i was criminal i was doing things the ill proper way so i actually ended up fighting the feds i had a federal case against me that was one of the biggest turning points in my life that's when i really hit rock bottom knowing you i know you've never been in jail and that's a good thing you've never been in none of that kind of stuff that's a blessing right so imagine seeing your name on oh, Sam versus United States of America. That's tore my head off. Even just talking about it now, I'd be like, oh, my! Like I get goosebumps. I could never be in that position again, and by the grace of God, I have not. I feel
0: for you. Now, I'm going to say I would never be in that situation, but I felt like that, too. It's never been right. that through a court case, but it's been through people being stigmatizing and disrespectful to me. Right, The But I right. about jammed in the back with pencils? And for the listeners, C252, I only bliss more information... That was a time where it was Sam Mitchell versus the United States of America. Ooh, you can relate. I can very much relate on that one, buddy. Now folks we wrap back for an ad from the Rock ninety six point one radio and let's get to it. We want to thank 96.1 The Query, especially David and Dan Hayes, for being a gold sponsor for our summer fest. 96.1 resides in Louisiana and like autism rocks and rolls. They rock and roll too. Visit their website Rock96 want well, FM.com, listen to them live on their website, or catch them on the radio in your car. If you like Kiss, Queen, A's Rock, or ZZ Top, I think you are found your station. 96.1 supports our veterans, so you should support them too. Visit 96.1 and keep rocking. Alright, folks, well, so back. You'll definitely rock out to this radio station. You are also, from what I've heard, a brand new brand ambassador for Owl, how did you become a brand ambassador for Owl?
1: Crazy story, man. I was being managed by a guy out of New York, and the app was brand new. And my manager was like, "Hey, based on what you do, this app is perfect for you. You'd be great for it." So I joined the app, and I would say a couple months into it, I was doing a lot of work on the app, a lot of connections, a lot of X, Y, and Z. And the owner of the app hit me up and was like, "Man, I see your numbers, man. You are excellent. You're doing great." And he offered me a position to represent this brand part of my commitment is just making sure people know about al o w w l l make sure if you have google or apple store download it today it's free it don't cost a dollar
0: well i'm a brand ambassador too my friend for the Flutie foundation actually as well and this is a cool one it's very means my heart i feel like i've done something good for myself and i did it for this reason i didn't episode on this person even for listeners c219 on the silver screen with Mega lamison but this woman is amazing because she runs a nonprofit called Make a Film Foundation, which is basically Make a Wish, but with movies. Yes.
1: Oh, I like that. Connect me with her.
0: Okay. I can do that for you. Yeah. I got to know about loyalty and everything. So I know what that is because I think it's pretty cool. I looked at your guys' website before we've had this interview. That's Watch for our listeners about that.
1: Loyalty and everything. Actually, just started a nonprofit. We are not nonprofit based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and it's all about mentorship, helping bridge the gap in our communities for people of color specifically, but it's about showing young people how to live life in this new world of recovery in this new world order so lie foundation you can google that and whatever comes up let me know because i'm in the process of building that foundation as we speak
0: talk to talking more about marriage counseling so believe it or not you're my first guest that has been through marriage counseling so because of you being the first guest that's went through marriage counseling can you give us an insight and in what you learned in marriage counseling
1: one of the biggest things i learned you have to be transparent you got to be vulnerable those are the secret ingredients to a healthy counseling release you know being honest open willing for me that saved my marriage and i'm glad that
0: saved your marriage good you guys are jumping along today still and i think you both are more than honest and transparent as ever so actually on lp's podcast you talked about something else that really made me think about how counseling and mental hospitals are
1: polar opposites of each other tell us that view please counseling is the art of communication and therapy In my mind, is the whole having to see a therapist, one requires an assessment, and one is just jumping right on in.
0: Sure, I, I could see that because not just from what I've seen, but you're just going in there to a room and have a nice day. Counseling... Someone's chatting with you. Have you seen good mental hospitals and bad mental hospitals? Because if you have, I want to know what the difference is.
1: I think a good mental hospital, it, it has to be the people. It has to be people driven. It has to be people focused. And the bad ones are the ones that are the exact opposite. They're focused on the business. They're focusing on the income versus the population that they serve.
0: First of all, money and mental health should not be in the same sentence.
1: Oh, my God. Say that again for the people in the back.
0: Sure. Money and (laughs) mental health should not be in the same sentence.
1: I agree. Remember, mental health is the world's oldest pandemic. We've been dealing with that before you were born, before your mother, your father. It was always a mental health challenge in the world. So that's the world's oldest pandemic, and we're still looking for ways to figure that out.
0: So now we have a very supportive wife. You have some lovely children from what I've seen on Facebook. Yeah, I tell us about your children, how they've supported you. Oh, my
1: goodness. I love my children, man. I would not be anything without them. My daughter just recently got married. She lives in the state of Arizona. I'm super excited for her and my new son-in-law. Oh, my God. They are blessings. And then my son, he's graduating. This is his last year in high school. He's in 12th grade, and he's persevering as a 3'9". He's already been accepted to college. I mean, I just couldn't ask for any more blessings. I have mother and father that's still living beautiful wife, two kids. I have a boy and a girl, so I have one of each. You know what I'm saying? I'm employed. I have tons of resources when it comes to that kind of stuff. I just couldn't ask for anything more. I'm very honored and very blessed.
0: What's your son going to do after he graduates? Has he made up his mind or is he still thinking of what
1: he wants to do? He wants to get his master's in special education.
0: I got to meet your son.
1: Yeah, he's going to the University of Oregon, probably like 200 miles from where we live currently. University of Oregon U of O has the best special needs program for my son. So that's why he chose that college because he's really into like sign language. So we'll wrap her up here and these are just for fun. So yeah, what is your favorite nice meal or favorite food and why is it your favorite? I love chili dogs and chicken wings. My man, I like them wings. Spicy. I like flats only like when I go to restaurants, I only order flats. I don't like the drumstick side of the chickens and I like them plain and I like to dip my own sauce So I like hot sauce and I can do any flavor as long as it's on the side. I don't want my chicken dipped in it. I would rather dip it myself.
0: Kind of get to interact with the food a little more. And here's a recommendation for you. Check out what? Hot Sauce. I'll give you a little... Hot Sauce Shop. That's in Florida, but you can look online, too. Pepper Palace. I'm right this Hot but- Sauce. As it goes, habanero. I mean, jalapeno. I mean, I bought a lot of sauce there. When I go in there, because I'm
1: a hot sauce guy, too. I'm a kid in a candy store. I'm definitely going to check them out. I mean, I listen to everything people tell me. I love it. I like finding new things. Next time I talk to them, I'll be like, man, I had that shop that you told me about. Now, what is your favorite movie or TV show? Why do you like it? My favorite movie all time is Rocky. I like the Rocky series. I watched Rocky Four. That's my ultimate all-time favorite movie. Rocky Four, I just like the storyline. I like the perseverance. I like what the movie stands for. It's an award-winning story. If you have not watched Rocky Four, it's really, old. it's probably older than you, but watch the movie from start to finish and you'll understand what I'm saying as far as it shows you how to really, how perseverance works.
0: Yeah, I've seen the Rocky series, but I'm probably the popular favorite three with Mr. T. I can't
1: go wrong with that, that. I like when Mr. T beat Rocky and then Rocky came back and beat him. That was another perseverance moment too. Now, what has been your favorite vacation I've ever taken and why did you enjoy that vacation very much? Every time I go on vacation, it's the best vacation. I make it that way. It's all in the mind. Everything starts in the mind. So what you tell yourself is what it is. So every vacation I've ever been on has been amazing. I've been to the Bahamas, Mexico, Africa. I just went to the Bahamas recently for my anniversary. And Hawaii, I think the last place, Bahamas was the last major trip that I went on, and that was amazing.
0: Oh, man, I'll have to try in Bahamas. Just hopefully I can afford it one day.
1: It's a lot less expensive than you think. It's all about when you plan and when you got relationships. That's key. I don't pay for a lot of things anymore, man. I have people in, in all those places. Like, I have airline connections. I have hotel connections. I don't have to really... You know pay traditionally
0: are there any good memories that you want to tell our viewers about if you do why do you remember that memory the most so before you answer i like you to end with something sentimental that made you feel good inside and forgot the world could be a very cruel place and a funny memory that made you up on the floor laughing
1: i mean i don't really get to joke much but one of my fondest memories is when i asked my wife to marry me i flew her mom in talked to her dad asked for his permission and we met all at a bowling out At a top-notch bowling alley, we were playing, we were bowling. I remember proposing to my wife. I got on one knee and just in front of her mom, in front of her elder family.
0: Well, I'm excited for that because it seems like you guys have just gone from there and the rest is history, as they say.
1: History. Your day is coming, Sam. I guarantee you're going to find you a beautiful wife. They say a man that finds a beautiful wife has a great thing. Okay.
0: All right. I'll remember that. And this was a great time, Eric. Is there any closing remarks you'd like to say, brother?
1: I will tell everybody under the sound of my voice, make sure you follow me on Instagram. That's the platform that I choose that I engage with people. The rest of my platforms are being manned by other people. So Instagram, EA the genius, all one word, EA the genius, because I'm a brain. That's what I do. So make sure you follow me today, and I will follow back in most cases. As long as you're doing positive things that's adding value to the world, I'm definitely gonna be there. But if you're talking about people, or if you're worried about who shot John, I'm probably won't follow. Well, great seeing again, Eric. I have a wonderful day. Absolutely, my friend. you too, sir.
0: Thanks for joining for this episode. Please join for another episode coming in very soon. I hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much.